You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. So look around this place. Look a little different to you? And those of you who made this maybe your first Sunday think, wow, they always decorate like this. Yeah, not so much. Yeah, no. A lot of time and effort has gone into this, right? And this is just half of it. If you get a chance today after the service, if you have a little bit of discretionary time, I want to encourage you, go upstairs because the upstairs has been transformed too. And if you don't have kids or students, you probably have never set foot on our second floor. In fact, it's kind of amusing to me for people who are newer to our church family. Sometimes it's like a year or two before they realize we have a second floor because if you don't have a reason to go up to up there, right? You just, you don't. But you have a reason to today. This whole place, 90,000 square feet has been transformed for this coming week and it's pretty doggone cool, yeah? Literally, When Vacation Bible School ends this next week, we will begin planning for next year. We have a group of people who do that. So everything you see around here really in many ways has been in development over the course of this last year. And just take a moment and and look around just one more time. By way of example, look at this tree over here on this wall. How long did it take someone to trace that and cut that out? And now think of 90,000 square feet of those kinds of things and you begin to get an appreciation for the fact and the reality that this is an all hands on deck thing for us as a church family. So many of you have contributed in so many ways. There's a number of you who are gonna show up tomorrow and serve the whole week. A number of you have brought um, water and, and soda over the course of the, of the last several weeks. You've cut out decorations and been part of the planning. Some of you will show up on Thursday night to help us with our family fun night where we'll see about 1,500 people from the community show up here. Um, a number of you are going to stick around next Sunday um, in the afternoon when we take all this down. You just You contribute in so many ways, and it's, it's just phenomenal to me. It's amazing to me. It's a lot of work and a lot of effort. And it's not just us. If you've seen the outlook this week, the lead article, front page, is about all the churches like us that are doing vacation Bible schools over the course of this summer. And our story's told in there. In fact, our photos, I guess, the, the lead photo. But it's not just about us. It's about all the churches here in our community that are putting so much effort and resources into vacation Bible school. And it really does beg the reasonable question, why? So why all this work? Why spend all this money, invest all these resources, spend all this time for a week? And it's a legitimate question. In fact, it is a question that we ask as a leadership about everything we do around here. At some point, we ask the necessary question and we try to do it on a regular basis of why? All the things we do around here, the missions trips that you just heard about. Why do people get on a plane and go to Ecuador? or go to a foreign land known as Eastern Oregon to work with babies, right? Or go to the Czech Republic, or go to Lebanon, or go to, what have I missed? The Philippines, and on it goes. Why do we do any of the things we do around here? That question gets answered in this passage that we're gonna look at today. In fact, in this final chapter in the book of Daniel, and the answer is hope hope. We believe in a God who gives life now, but who also gives life everlasting. The reality is we live in a broken world. 
with broken people. And this amazing God redeems and restores and repairs this world and its people to what he always intended it to be. That's what his kingdom is all about. We just sang about his kingdom coming. It's here and it's, and it's coming. And this chapter, this final chapter in the book of Daniel talks about this, these realities, but it talks about hope very tangibly, very practically, and that's what we're gonna look at here today. But as we do so, let me reset some things for just a little bit with where we've come from and where we're going. Daniel chapter 10, Daniel chapter 11, Daniel chapter 12 are all one vision. They're one story, and we've divided them up over the week. So just to reset some things, when I preached a couple weeks ago in Daniel 10, we looked at some spiritual realities. Faithfulness is difficult. It is not easy. Spiritual warfare is real. But God does give strength for what he calls us to do and what to be. And then Gary Brashears preached Daniel chapter 11, which really gets into a lot of specifics about this vision, much of which we now know as history. These are historical events that have already taken place. But one of the many principles we extracted from that is faithfulness, really, it's a long obedience in the same direction. And it's about staying calm, being faithful, preaching on regardless of what's going on in the culture around us. We are not tossed around by the events of our day. As much as it's tempting to, to ride the emotional roller coaster of what hits the headlines each week and each day. We don't have to live like that because we live for God's kingdom. And finally, last week, Gary really did a synopsis of the entire book. We just did a principal summary of just some of the things, some of the truths that this book has for us. We're called to be people of the book. We are to grid and live our lives through the reality of God's word. And that means living faithfully. It means contributing to the common good. It means serving the emperor, whoever that is, in your life with excellence. And when we confront evil, we do so respectfully and we do it in the process of calling others to repentance. Hey, there is a better way. There's a path of blessing. There's a path of life and God gives it. Why don't you consider that? Which now brings us to Daniel 12. And so as we begin to work our way through this passage, this is what I want you to watch for. Where is the hope in these 13 verses we're gonna read? And what does it tangibly mean for us? So here we go. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people will arise. This is describing an angel who's been described in previous chapters. There will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. And then it shifts to first person. Then I, Daniel, looked and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank. And one of them said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven. And I heard him swear by him who lives forever saying, it will be a time, times and a half a time. When the power of the holy people has finally been broken, all these things will be completed. I heard, but I didn't understand. So I asked my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel. 
because the words are rolled up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will find rest, which is a euphemism for death, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. So where is the hope? Well, let's back up for a minute. It says, at that time, and that language is sprinkled throughout the book of Daniel and other parts of the Bible, to be sure. So what time are we talking about? It's a future time, we know that. And if we go back to the end of chapter 11, we know that this is a future, future time. It's, it has not been fulfilled yet for us, like many of the other things in Daniel have been. This is looking to a time that's described in the book of 2 Thessalonians and Revelation, the time of the future super mega beasts, the, the Antichrist, when he will come. But it reminds us of this pattern that we see all throughout history and that we see repeating itself, and that's these cycles of governments and kingdoms and people who set themselves up against God, who separate themselves from God, deny God, elevate and exalt themselves rather than God. And when any of us or any entity begins to act like that, we become beast-like. And so we see that being described here again. And then it goes on to describe a time of distress such has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. How would you like to be alive when that happens? Uh, can I take a pass on that? That doesn't sound so great. And now think about this from the frame of reference of Daniel. He and his people have been in captivity for 70 years. They've been in exile for 70 years. They lost their homes, they lost their land. Many of them wrongly thought they had lost their God. They, they had lost everything, and now they're being told it's going to get worse. Some of them, we know historically, have gone back now to repair the walls, restore Jerusalem, and it's not going so well. In fact, that work has come to a halt because of the opposition they're facing. Things do not look good, and now Daniel's hearing, yeah, things are actually going to get worse. A whole lot worse. So where is the hope? And it comes shortly after this. Everyone whose name is found written in the book of life, or in the book rather, will be delivered. And I kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit. For those of you who know your Bibles, this book is described in other parts of the Bible as the book of life, which begs the necessary question, how do you get your name in that book? That sounds like a pretty good book to have your name written in because there is a promised deliverance that will come through that. Okay, and then we come to this. This idea of everlasting life. This is the first time, the last time, and the only time this word for everlasting life is used in the Old Testament. It is only found here. And this is huge for us to understand. Because up till now, this idea of everlasting life, life after death, has been hinted at, it's been alluded to, it's been referenced, but the gaps haven't been filled in yet. Let me give you some examples, and these are just some. In Psalm 16, it says that God will not abandon his holy one to death, which infers 
life after death. Psalm 49, he will rescue his holy one from death. How's that gonna work? What's that mean? Psalm 73, God will receive the psalmist into glory. That sounds an awful lot like life after death to me. Job 19, Job says, I know my redeemer lives, which infers that he's going to live forever too. So how does all that work? And now we're gonna jump out of our passage and jump forward to the New Testament. We're gonna fast forward several hundred years because now the dots are about to be connected. How does all this work? How does your name get written into the book of life? What does that mean? What does that mean? There's life after death. Now we jump forward to the Gospel of John, John chapter 11. Many of you are familiar with this story. If you'll remember, Jesus and his followers are out doing ministry. They're proclaiming the kingdom. They're healing people. They're doing miracles, all to show that Jesus is who he said he is and was proclaiming he was the Messiah. And his best friend dies while he's away. Lazarus. Remember the story? And Jesus knows that he's dying. Word comes to him, and he doesn't come back in time to heal him or save him purposefully. And so Jesus now comes back a couple days later, and Lazarus's sisters, Martha and Mary, particularly Martha at first, comes out to meet him. And she says in the verse right before this, basically, where were you? Did you not know that Lazarus was dying? And Jesus did know. And this is what Jesus says to her. Your brother will rise again. And now understand, Martha is answering him with a faith that comes from Daniel 12 in the Old Testament. Not a lot of detail, but this is what she says. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Which we need to step back for a minute before we go any further and appreciate the reality of what is being proclaimed here. The question is not, will I live forever? That is the wrong question. Every single person who has ever walked this earth will live forever. The real question is, where will you live forever? Will you live in the presence of God, enjoying all the blessings that he promises you, Everlasting life, as it's being described here in Daniel 12, or will you live forever separated from God? This has profound implications for how we live our lives today, does it not? Let me just give you one example. We live in a culture that constantly tells us that what matters most is what's right in front of you right now. It's what you accomplish, it's what you have, it's what's in your bank account, it's what's in your home. It's the stuff that you've acquired. That is really what matters in your life. We are told that over and over and over again. You drive that kind of car, this is what you need. You need this car. You live in that kind of a house, well, you need this. You know, on and on and on. What you have is never good enough. What you have is never enough. And by the way, that's, that's really what your life comes down to is your stuff. Recently, Jamie and I were at an estate sale. We were looking for some, just some basic kitchen stuff because one of our kids is moving out um, with another roommate and they're getting into a completely unfurnished place so it all has to be furnished and they, he needed basic kitchen stuff. So we went to this estate sale and what set this estate sale apart from others we've been to it was the description and then the pictures that went with it. Basically said um, this individual was a 20-something, maybe a 30-something, but a young adult with a lot of money, a lot of resources and he had the best of everything and presumably he had passed away. 
unexpectedly. And so we go to this estate sale, and it was, I've never seen anything like it. Everything this guy had, tens of thousands of dollars worth of stuff was the absolute best. Audio equipment, video equipment, electronics. It was all the very, very best you could have. He had a free weight system that looked like it came right out of Planet Fitness or 24-hour fitness. It was all professional quality stuff. Walked into the garage, new tools everywhere. I mean, it was just everything you could think that a garage would have the very, very best of. And here, sitting in the middle of the garage was this vintage, mint condition Harley Davidson. And I walk up to this and I begin to think, you know what, I could sell my cars, <laughs> take out a huge loan, and ride a Harley the rest of my life. That could work. Would you be okay with your pastor with a Harley? I hope not. <laughs> I, of, I, of course, I wasn't thinking that for too long. But, um, and I wasn't really the point, but I'm thinking, is this what this guy's life comes down to? Is this what your life is about? Is this what my life is about? Someday are people going to be walking through my home when I've passed away in a state sale and all I have to show for it is the stuff that's going to go home with them? And I had this profound sadness as we continued to walk through the house of not knowing this guy's story and thinking, I hope, I hope that there was more to his life than his stuff because it was profoundly empty in contrast to the profoundly significant life-changing hope that we just read about. There is more to life than stuff. Jesus, in John 10, 10 says, he wants to give us life now, he wants to enrich our life now, but he wants also to give us everlasting life with him. And now all these Old Testament dots are about to get connected in the rest of the verse that I'm about to read to you out of John chapter 11. And Jesus says this in many other places as well, as does God's word. But catch what Jesus is about to say with the foundation we've just laid. So he looks at Martha and says this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? That is the most important question you and I will ever answer in our entire lives. Do you believe that? Do you believe what Jesus just said there? I, I hope you do. Because Jesus is the only way we have everlasting life. He just answered every single question we have out of what it means about everlasting life in Daniel chapter 12. Do you want your name written in the book of life? Jesus. In fact, let's go the other direction for just a minute. What did he, what did he not say in that passage? Did he say anything about, well, you know, it really comes down to who you are. It comes down to your heritage. Well, we know that's not true because in Daniel 12, it very directly says not all the Jews are going to be saved because not all of them are going to believe. Your, your heritage isn't what qualifies you to enter into the kingdom of God. In our culture, how often do people say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm on God's team because I'm an American and I'm a good person, you know? 
that is so prevalent. No, it has nothing to do with your heritage. And by the way, it has nothing to do with what you do. Where was your resume in what Jesus just said there? Didn't say anything about my resume or being good or being a good enough person. What Jesus said was a question. Do you believe? It's not about what you do. It's about how you respond to what's been done for you. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Do you believe he is the resurrection and the life? And we have to define terms here. In our culture, that word believe is so elastic, is it not? You can say you believe something, and what does that really mean? You mentally agree with it? You sometimes adhere to it? Or you will go all in with commitment. And that's what believe means in the Bible. And that is what believe means when Jesus asks if you believe. Will you make a commitment of your life to this? That's what it means to believe. And if you will, your life will change. Not because you have a new religion, but because you have a new relationship with the God of the universe. And Christianity is the only worldview, the only religion, if you want to call it that, that teaches that if you will believe in Jesus, his Holy Spirit, he will come and live inside of you. God himself comes and lives inside of you to empower you to live the very life he calls you to. It's a life of blessing. It's a life of joy. It's a life of significance. It's a life that transcends stuff and money and accomplishment. It's far more enduring and far more significant than that. How awesome is that? And when that happens, you have a story to tell, do you not? Look what this says here. Those who are wise, and the wise are those who respond to God's offer of eternal life, life everlasting, they will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Now, after our sermon notes were printed, I changed my mind with how I wanted the points to go. So we're gonna jump to the last point, okay? Your pastor couldn't make up his mind on how he wanted to preach the order here. So we'll jump to the last point for those of you who are taking notes. But we are called to lead others to righteousness because we have an incredibly powerful story to tell and I'll prove it to you. If you believe in Jesus, where would your life be without him? What would you be living for? What would your priorities be? What would you be doing with your life? What would get you out of bed every morning? What would you have to look forward to? Do I need to go on? If you believe in Jesus, man, you are a new person. Your life has changed and you have an amazing story to tell. So are you telling it? Sometimes, myself included, I need to stop and go, wait a minute, what has God done for me? Man, I have got an amazing story that I get to tell. Not that I have to tell, I get to tell. Yesterday, I went to buy some shoes. I walked into this running store to buy some running shoes. I still don't like running. And I'm there to buy shoes, though. And the guy starts talking to me. He's a good customer service guy. He begins to ask me questions. Hey, how's your day going? Oh, I'm having a great day. It's sunny outside. I've waited 11 months, 11 and a half months for sun. 
love it. I'm having a great day. What are you doing later today? Well, you know, I'm gonna go across town. I'm gonna um, do some painting for my folks and then I'm gonna come back. Um, this was tomorrow night. Come back tonight and, uh, and put some finishing work on a sermon that I'm preaching, uh, you know, Sunday morning. I'm a pastor. He goes, oh, okay. What's your name? And I gave him my name as he was gonna look up my information in the database. And I said, Jay Messenger. And he said, spell that for me. And he stopped and he looked at me and he said, did you change your name when you became a pastor? <laughs> And you would be amazed how often I get that question all the time. And it's such a great opportunity to just tell what God has done in my life. You know, without being overbearing or, you know, bludgeoning someone with the gospel, but at the same time being able to say, you know what? No, I was a messenger first. I started there. But something happened between there and becoming a pastor, and it was I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and he changed my life. That's my story. Yesterday afternoon, a family member who I had been praying for for years, I, I got to have a conversation with him about, again, about becoming a pastor. And of course, I had to tell him how I came to know Jesus first. You see, we have a story to tell. And we get to tell it individually, but we also get to tell it corporately. That is why we do Vacation Bible School. That's why we do what we do. Because we have a story of hope, and we get to tell it and live it, especially so this next week. There are going to be hundreds of kids who come through our doors, and that's just so compellingly cool to me. In fact, do you realize that at this point last year, we had about 430-ish kids who had signed up in advance? As of yesterday, we had about 480 who have signed up. We had 91 kids show up when we opened the doors to sign up last year on Monday. Tomorrow we're expecting more of the same. And I'm, I'm just so excited to tell you. So I'm changing my, my tune a little bit from the last two services that we've had. Going into the service this morning, we were at the point with the number of crew leaders that we need, the, the, the leaders of the small groups that the kids will be with over the course of the week. We were at the point where we are anticipating so many kids coming tomorrow that we were gonna have to shut the doors probably halfway through and just and turn people away. And so I've made an appeal in these last couple services. Hey, some of you, your, your circumstances might have changed. Maybe you can serve over the course of the week. Even if you can just serve two or three days, we'll, we'll pair you with someone else in a similar circumstance so we can just expand our groups and have capacity. We've had a wonderful response and we've had about eight people step forward um, in the last couple services here and we now have capacity to hopefully be able to take in all the kids who will show up tomorrow and what's especially cool about that is the kids who don't know Jesus primarily will sign up tomorrow they'll come across the street across the fence a couple blocks away because they don't know they need to sign up in advance and they'll just show up and we'll be able to take them because you've stepped forward and if there are some of you who you have the ability to to, to serve for two or three days this week as a crew leader or even to serve for the week because maybe your circumstances have changed. We still want to talk to you. Talk to Tom out at the resource table there. Um, that will just enable us to keep the groups at a small size if we do get in more than we're, we're anticipating. But I'm, I'm pretty excited about that because we have a great story to tell. And if that wasn't enough, look what this passage reminds us. It ends with 
Daniel being told, you are going to receive your allotted inheritance. Do you know what another word for that is? You're going to be rewarded. All throughout Scripture, it tells us faithful Yahweh worshipers, faithful Jesus followers will be rewarded. We don't live for Jesus to, to get his love. We live for Jesus because we have his love. I mean, just think with me for a moment. When is the last time someone recognized you, someone rewarded you for the hard work you've done or for something you've accomplished in your life? Can, can, you, can you think of a tangible there? And I know I'm putting you on the spot. How did that feel? Pretty cool. A couple weeks ago, Matt Patrick, who's our student ministry collegiate department leader, um, he and I, he's part of our preaching team, and he and I, as representatives of the preaching team, got to be a part of a, a sprint class through the book of Isaiah, which is a week long. It was kind of like getting a drink through a fire hose. You know, just <laughs> here it is. And it was awesome. It was so great. And we're trying to be more intentional about doing this as a preaching team because in the next year or two, we're hoping to do a series on Isaiah. So we're getting ready for that by, by trying to get these additional resources in advance. It was just, it was amazing. But you know what was so cool? Don't tell the teacher this. Was being able to show up and do nothing in advance. Because two years ago, I graduated. And this was the first time I'd been back at the seminary since getting my degree. So I wrote no papers, read no books. I just showed up to learn. And it's not that I wasn't learning when I was a student, but the reality was I had all this work to do, right? And this was, this was a graduate level class. There's a lot of work involved with it. I just got to show up and learn. And as I was sitting there just soaking all this in, going, oh, this is so very cool. It reminded me to no guilt involved, David. Um, Two years ago, it reminded me of when I walked across the stage of the church where I started out in ministry and where I'd largely grown up, and I walked across the stage to Gary Brashears, who was the one whose fault it was that I started my education 18 years ago, my graduate level education, to walk across the stage to him at my graduation and to have him be the one to put my master's hood on me. It was a defining moment in my life, 18 years of hard work and then to be rewarded for it. That is nothing compared to what it will be like when God himself rewards you someday for faithfully serving and loving him. Is that motivating? It's promise. And if that wasn't enough, Daniel is told in verse 9 and in verse 13, the final verse, well, go your way, Daniel, and here it is, verse 13, go your way till the end. And understand, that's not run along, go away, go, go and play. That's make the most of today. That's live distinctively for me. That's to use the language from last week, be a creative minority in this culture that you were exiled in. Live for me. Live distinctly for me. Your kingdom come, as we just sang about, through how we live our lives because we are people of hope. And this promise of resurrection is, is so personal. It's not just hope for you. 
It's hope for the world. Today, today is the eighth anniversary of my father-in-law going home to be with the Lord. Eight years ago, my father-in-law went home to be with the Lord. Rare is a day that goes by, I don't miss him. Every time I walk into the shop in my backyard that we built together before he passed away, I'm reminded of him. And if you've ever lost someone, there is an ache that just, it never goes away. It gets better, but it, it never goes away. But the hope that I hold on to that is tangible and real for me is I'm going to see him again because of the hope of the resurrection. And we have a world that desperately needs this hope. And that is why we do Vacation Bible School. That is why we do all the programs that we do around here. That's why we look for and pray for and take advantage of the opportunities God gives us to tell his story because it's yours if you will believe. So will you? Do you? Let's pray together. Lord, as we prepare to worship you, to sing about your glory, to sing about your kingdom, I pray that if there is anyone here who is questioning whether they believe in you, whether they have received you, I pray that right now between you and them, they would choose to say to you, Jesus, I love you. I thank you for giving me everlasting life for forgiving me and for coming into my life. And Lord, for all of us here who believe in you, who call you our Lord and Savior, remind us all over again of why we have hope, hope for this life and hope for a life to come forever with you, rewarded by you for being faithful to you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. And we sing to you now out of joy and gratefulness in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.